Welcome to Lovesick, the podcast where we dive into health, wellness, and relationships and their impact on the world today. Come be a part of the discussion and join our community by following us on YouTube, Instagram, and listening wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Lovesick Podcast. I'm your host, Jada. With me is Michael and Dorothea. And today we have the lovely Anna Moon all the way from Nashville. She is a songwriter, a mother, an advocate. <laughs> like We've got a whole list of everything you do, social media, content creator. Um, welcome. Thank you. You sound like me trying to explain myself as well. So <laughs> you did good. It's great to be with you guys. Okay. Optimism is the word um, because I, I see that in so much of, of your posts, so many of the songs and lyrics. Uh, there's this thing about being an optimist that kind of reigns through everything. Could you kind of tell us what that word means for you guys? Because it's kind of like the family word. Yes. No, it definitely is. And, you know, it's actually Nico has an album coming out on January 19th and it's called Better Days. And the whole message behind Better Days is this. It's that being positive doesn't mean being happy all the time. It means even on the hard days, you know that better days are ahead. And so that's optimism to me. It's, it's being in, in a tough moment, realizing, yes, this is difficult, but this isn't the end. Tomorrow's going to come. And in the song, we talk about you still have good friends you might not have met yet, or there's still something on your bucket list that you're going to get to check off in the future. And so it's just a way of giving people that hope that, yes, you might be in a tough situation um, in a tough area of life right now, but that's not going to be every tomorrow for the rest of your life. You're going to have better days and you're going to smile again and you're going to laugh again and you're going to get through it. I already love the title. I know. You know, oh, the, t- the title just actually makes you want to listen to the song, especially oh, for anyone that's going through whatever it is that they may be going through. So that title is everything. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's all Nico's, Nico's brainchild, you know, and, and what's so great about working, getting to work with your partner is, you know, this is always a conversation for us from the moment we kind of get up and going, I do have a rule that I have to have my coffee first. (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) It's like he dreamed up these lyrics in his mind overnight. And I'm like, hold on, let me me have some coffee. Let's hold on. But it's really great because, you know, this really is, uh, you know, a family, a, I hate to say business because it feels so much more personal than right. that, but it really is a family uh, project for us. And it's, and it's something that was really personal for us. The messaging is very personal. The stories, I mean, it's me and him writing most everything. Right. We do collaborate with some songwriters on some of the songs, but a lot of the times it's from me and him. And so I'm not sure how much more personal, you know, you can get from, uh, from a songwriting perspective. But that's a beautiful thing when the husband and wife can actually work together. Ooh. And then, you know what I mean? <laughs> because that takes a lot of strength. Yes. <laughs> because a lot of times, you know, you find couples that just can't do it. But this is beautiful what you guys are doing. Like you're creating things together, which is really nice. 
Yeah. And you know, that's actually whenever I'm talking to my couple friends and we're giving each other advice, we're just talking about our relationships. That's something that I really encourage. Find something that you and your partner love to do together, something y'all can dream together. One of mine and Nico's favorite things to do at night is we just like to dream, you know, like yeah. the, it, it might not even be actionable dreams or might they might be crazy dreams, but it's so much fun if you that's your person. I mean, that's your part. Like if you can't dream with the love of your life, then who can you say your crazy ideas to, you know, and I'm a big believer in like manifesting and and, and, yes. and really speaking your reality into existence. And so. Uh, I really encourage couples to do that together because it's, it's one, it's really bonding. And, and two, it's, it's so much, you won't believe where y'all will get with y'all's ideas once y'all start coming together on it. That's true. I think it's, it's wonderful and, and continue to do it because that's how you create great music because you know each other very well. And so it's, it's easy. so true. Yes. And and a little behind the scenes of how typical songwriting works is, you know, here in Nashville, we have so many songwriters and it's a business here. I mean, there are people who all day, every day, like you go into a nine to five, they're going in to write a song. And so, <laughs> you know, what that sometimes looks like is you're going into a room at 9 a.m. with two other people you've never met before. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to write a hit song. And when you're writing a song, you have to get really vulnerable, really personal. You know, you're putting out ideas and that can be kind of intimidating when you don't know somebody. So being able to do that with somebody who I know better than anybody in the world and who knows me just as well, um, it definitely is very special. Got to give it some time and then your your little one can start uh, <laughs> writing as well. Oh, well, she's already, she's found our guitar. We have a guitar in, in the bedroom and in the living room and pretty much a guitar in every room. And she's already decided that she like, she just kind of hits it, you know, but, right. That's how it starts. Um, but yes. she's already started. She's got the bug. She's got the bug for sure. Well, that's a, a beautiful combination of kind of bringing your family together. So much of your family journey has centered around kind of health and this journey and finding the good, right? Finding your way through tough situations. Maybe you can take us kind of through some of that journey and share, because I think for our audience, that's really something other people are going through and can learn from. Yeah. So I went through IVF to get my little angel girl and, and my process through finding, um, IVF and through finding that I needed to be somebody, a candidate, I guess, if you will, it all started in 2020. Um, I had been suffering from menstrual cramps, uh, from, but at a time where I shouldn't be, and it just always felt like my stomach was heavy, um, and just uncomfortable. And so, that was, of course, during COVID. So a lot of us didn't feel comfortable to go into the doctor. So I kind of put it off for a couple of months, but it got to a point where I was like, okay, I've got to go into my uh, my gynecologist and like see what's going on because something doesn't feel right. And uh, she ended up having me go get an ultrasound. And it, it turned out that I had multiple uterine fibroids. And uterine fibroids are... Um, are non-cancerous tumors, but they can sometimes be carcinogenic, but typically a fibroid is not. Um, but still, because of my age, the number and the size was very peculiar. She was like, this is, this is interesting. You shouldn't be experiencing this. Hmm. And so she was like, I encourage you to speak with your family, see if there's any family history here, see if there's anything going on. Um, so I inquired with some of my family members and it turned out that my grandmother 
she had had uterine fibroids. She's in a rural, she, she's in Pikeville, Tennessee, which is a very, very small town in Tennessee. And so for her, it was just easier to just get, get them removed, get a hysterectomy and just kind of move on with, you know, her life. Um, but it was great information for me to hear that because then I was able to go and, and do genetic testing to confirm that, yes, I have this condition. And the most, I guess, dangerous part about this condition and, and why it led me to doing IVF was because uh, renal cell carcinoma is in there, right? And and what that is, is it's like basically the most aggressive form of kidney cancer that, that you can get. Wow. And of course, I was terrified to know that I had that and that my daughter could, or my eventual child could be a carrier of that. And so we started inquiring about IVF. And I also had had a fibroid surgery that made getting pregnant. It was going to be a a long journey for me. So IVF just started to sound like uh, the best option for Mm -hmm. us. But what's really amazing about IVF right now, and I don't hear enough people talk about this, but in addition to women who, who have trouble getting pregnant, IVF can also be a great option for someone who has a family condition that is severe and might be carcinogenic or might be neurological. Um, But basically what they can do is they see which embryos are carriers for that. And, uh, and then, you know, you just choose not, you choose which one you're, you're putting into the womb. Um, But it's, it's a beautiful way of screening health conditions, major health conditions, so that, you know, future children don't don't suffer uh, if they don't have to. What type of test did you um, have to take with all of the? Yeah. Yeah. With so all I of went the things through that you're going a company through. called Invitae. And I actually encourage anyone before they have kids to do genetic testing because there's a lot of neurological conditions or carcinogenic uh, genes that can be caught um, beforehand. And especially too, like if you and your partner maybe both have this dormant gene, but once y'all have a baby, Mm. you know, that's when it's coming alive. If you can kind of test and see what you're prone to through Invitae or a company, a company similar, then you can make an informed decision, at least on how you want to move forward. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Actually, um, my children, I, my two biological children, their mom has a rare kidney condition, but we didn't know oh, at wow. the time. Um, and the truth is she wasn't supposed to be able to have kids at all. And we were so young, we didn't know. I was 18. So we kind of did it in spite of all the medical stuff that should have been in the way. But knowing now, we knew whether we needed, like I needed to get tested because we both would have to be carriers in order for that to be something we passed to the kids. But you really don't know, and we never talk, you know, you talk about kids, Preventative. you talk about having them, right? But we don't mm-hmm. often, like you mentioned, talk about dormant genes or things that may be an issue that you both might be carrying that you don't know because one of you is not experiencing. Well, also, it's because when I remember when I was, I have two children, and genetic testing, I feel like, should be just a part of the, the process, and it's usually right. offered. Or you can do it, but it's never like a, we just do it, unless you're a certain age. Yes. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that just really speaks to healthcare in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there should be more systems in place for preventative systems like this. You know, it's like, yes, for your future children, but even for me, now that I know that I'm a carrier of this condition, 
I'm able to take responsibility and say, I'm going to go get MRIs every six months so that I can screen myself and I know what I'm looking for. I know that I'm prone to kidney cancer. So I know that I need to, you know, maybe not drink alcohol as much. I know that I need to eat certain, maybe avoid or eat certain foods for that are better for my kidneys. And with that information, I can just, I can live a healthier and more informed life, which I just think would be so beneficial for so many people in terms of their healthcare and their future children's health. Absolutely. Yeah. To be informed. I think that's one of the problems that we have in, in kind of medicine right now is we have a lot more technology than we really have access mm -hmm. or awareness of. Right. right. And so until you get testing, but you have to be your own advocate. I think this is one of the things that I know you're a big proponent of, right, Anna? Yeah, you have to be your own advocate. And especially for, for young women, you know, when I think about going to the gynecologist and all these things, they don't immediately say, hey, let's, let's do you like an ultrasound. But a lot of women could be spared so much heartache when it comes to getting pregnant if they would have done an ultrasound and maybe they had seen that, like me, they had fibroids or they had cysts. Because if I had have just gone, if I had started trying to have a baby with my fibroids as they were, I would have most likely either not been able to get pregnant or I would have had miscarriages. Mm -hmm. and, right. and that was all able to be informed through, you know, doing ultrasounds and doing these scans and doing these preventative kind of steps before, you know, getting pregnant. And that's something that I really, all my girlfriends who haven't had kids yet, I'm like, go get, go get like a ultrasound, make sure that, you know, your, your uterus and everything is, is good. And if there's anything in the way, see if there's a way that you can get it taken care of that way. You might not have to go through the heartache of any difficulties you might experience. No, I think that's a great, I, I think that's a great, um, message to send. And just, I, I think you were getting to this point and correct me if I'm wrong, but when people are ready to like start a family, a lot of times you don't consider much of like, oh, I have this or I'm, you know, my grandmother had this, but right. it doesn't, you don't think about it going down to your child sometimes, unless it happens to you. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but it's like, you're so focused on just wanting to start a family, some people, and you don't think about all those, you know. Well, that was me. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it when, when, you know, I was experiencing this cramping, um, and this condition, these conditions I was going through, I had no idea. And none of this was in my mind at all. And in fact, when I found out and kind of realized, oh, I'm going to have to get an, an open myomectomy, which is essentially like a very intense surgery to remove fibroids. I have to do this. I'm going to have to do IVF now because my condition is 50% that is going to be passed along to, to my future child. Like with all this information, I gave myself shingles. I had literally stressed myself out to that right. point. I gave myself right. shingles. That's how much of a just mind blown experience it was for me. Cause right. it's not how I pictured, um, getting pregnant and it's not, it wasn't the journey I had pictured for myself at all. Um, and I think a lot of women experience that when they, when they have troubles, you know, getting pregnant. Um, but, but again, there's, there's so much information that, that can be gained before you start the process that I encourage people to, to at least look into, um, just to potentially save themselves a little bit of heartache or any future health conditions down the line. Yeah. Miscarriage is one of the, it feels like it's on the rise. It's one of the most devastating things I think that someone can experience. And it's very difficult because I, I think male partners are somewhat removed. So I don't think they fully grasp a lot of that. And there's a lot of cases where 
we're not having these conversations. And I, I think it's really important. You know, I'm listening to you and thinking both of my daughters have difficult periods and cramping sometimes in, in times. And I'm literally thinking, you know, these are questions that we haven't asked, right? And yeah. these are questions mm -hmm. that we all right. should be asking. But the truth is you don't know to ask until you get some form of information or until you hear a story like yours. And that's part of the, our problem with medicine is in the past, we didn't have access. Like, you know, you mentioned your grandmother. No one ever thought, right? She had, she had something go on and she ended up having surgery. But, you know, in those times, no one talked about it. No one right. shared about it. Mm -hmm. so, so you don't think that this is something you're going to deal with. And now you've kind of found this. And as you come here and kind of, you're kind of sounding the alarm, I hope other people will go and get research, go and yeah. kind of get tested. Well, and, and it is a sensitive subject and a lot of women are embarrassed to speak about if they have fibroids or if they have mm -hmm. this or if they have something that might not allow them to conceive as, as quickly as maybe some of their friends. But it is important to remove the stigma because a lot of it comes back to things maybe like genetics or maybe right. that you have a cyst or a fibroid that you can't control. You yes. know, that's not something that it's not like maybe if somebody's drinking a bunch or, or eating certain things that might not be healthy or, or whatever it is, it's, it, some of these things are out of your control. And, and that's why I'm really passionate about at least informing people that there's options out there that you can um, educate yourself on to hopefully help save yourself a little bit of, of heartache in the future. And, you know, you're right about fibroids because um, that's sort of like generational. It can be because my grandmother, who's deceased uh, now, and my mom and myself, we all have fibroids. Like yes. to the point that it led to surgeries because yes. that's how bad the fibroids were. Well, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but up to 80% of women will develop fibroids in their lifetime. And it is more common in African-American women as well. Um, so it is important for, for women to speak about and speak about their experiences and also to learn the signs. Like if you're experiencing menstrual cramping, style yes. cramping, mm -hmm. when you are not on your period, that's reason for you to raise a brow and talk to your gynecologist and say, hey, can I just get an ultrasound or something? I would like True. to get some visuals because a lot of times when you go in for those types of appointments, it's very um, topical, right? It's like, it's not like they're going into your uterus and actually getting a good view exactly. of what's going on. Very quick. It's a quick visit. <laughs> yes, which we all love, right? Nobody loves going there and sitting there for 30 minutes. And then you have, you're <laughs> in there for five. Get it out. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but things like ultrasounds and, and other types of scans and tests they can do um, can give you the information uh, 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 of, of what's going on internally. And it would be nice if it was this, um, some type of um, education where they can talk to you prior because most people like myself, you go in when there's a major problem. And a right. lot of those things could have been sick care. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> could have been prevented. Exactly. Well, and that's why I love, you know, being able to, to know your genetics, know what you're prone True. to. Like for, for, for instance, with me, with, with HLRCC, I know for the rest of my life, what I need to scan, when I need to scan it, how I need to scan it. Um, you're just so much more informed. And, and as we learn more about cancer specifically, um, you know, it, it's, it's much 
it's a much easier fight if you can catch it as early as That's possible. So, true. And so yeah. you know, if you're prone to something, you know, uh, that you need to be on the lookout. And so for me, every six months I go and get an MRI and it's, it's not fun. It's not something I look forward to, but, but it saves um, your life. Yeah. It, it, but it could save my life one yes. day because with HLRCC, um, the renal cell carcinoma that it, that it can develop into, it's the type that basically it, you could have a pinpoint size amount of cancer in your kidneys one day, and then it spreads to your brain the next and it's wow. taken over. I mean, this is like the, I mean, if you very aggressive renal cell carcinoma, it's very aggressive. So mm. for me, it's something that I'm, I'm so grateful that I have that knowledge. And I know for a lot of people that's scary, you know, a lot of people might not want to know, uh, what the future might hold, but I really encourage people to, to look into it because having the power of knowledge is, is so important. And, and we're so blessed to live in a time where that's available to us. Yeah. How, how do you process that part of it? I mean, as a family too, like, you know, you're in preparation, you're being diligent, right. But also the, the mental part of that, like as a family, Figuring out you have this, having these deep conversations, I mean, it, it had to have kind of spun you initially. I'm, I'm sure your initial response was kind of shocked. Shingles. Yeah, yeah, literally so so stressed yeah. that you got another medical condition, right? right? And then right. how do you manage that? And, and do you find that it empowers you now, that you feel aware and strong and it helps? Or, or is it something that you... How do you manage? I find peace. I find peace in being proactive. I find it in knowledge. I think I would be much more stressed if I knew I had this condition and then didn't have the information of what I can be doing. But because I have the information, I've been able to make a decision for my daughter so that she doesn't have this condition. And so for me, knowledge is complete power. And uh, it's it is scary, but you know, I would rather I would rather know. It's kind of like the thing. It is what it is, right? It's like there's nothing I can change. Right. Uh, yeah. It's not like I can't not have HLRCC. So I would rather just know what to do now that I have it. And I right. find peace in, in that. Yeah, it's, you, you yeah. minimize risks, exactly. right? Like you, you can start to manage it better. And yeah. Then, yeah. It's I, like I have this. What, what, will I, what am I going to do now? You know, versus not knowing what to do. It's like, okay, this is what I need to live with. So what do I do to keep myself? informed and then the longevity. It's so true. And it's also just given me, you know, such a platform speaking here with you guys about things like this as well. So I, I, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation about optimism. And I really am somebody who tries to find the good in things. Um, in fact, there's a quote and I can't remember who it's by, but it's like, there is no such thing as good and bad. It just is, you know, it just, it is the situation is I have HLRCC. It's really not good or bad. It just, that's my life, you know? And so what I choose to do beyond that, that's up to me. And that's kind of where mindset and positivity and, and the way you choose to live your life comes into play because, you know, I could wake up every day and, and be depressed at this fact that I have this condition that could lead me to having an awful cancer, or I can wake up every day and say, wow, I have today, I woke up healthy, I have a beautiful daughter and, and, you know, I'm going to do the best I can today and just enjoy living. Um, and grateful for that. Uh, and I think that gives me a lot more purpose. Yeah. And I think there's a piece in also, you know, the IVF portion that I hadn't considered is 
there has to be some peace in knowing that you didn't pass part of this, right? Like, like that you chose a, a better yeah. path for your child, right? That, that yeah. you eliminated a risk, mm -hmm. not because as a parent, it's, it's, it's everything. It's everything. And, and look, I mean, it's IVF, it, it's a heavy conversation, right? I mean, I mean, you never want to feel like you're picking which of your embryos you're going to put into your body and, and what it kind of makes you feel like, am I playing God a little bit? But at the same time, as a parent, if I know that I have a condition that could lead my future child to having cancer and, and, and right. dying early at an early age, I can't do that. I can't, I can't have that knowledge mm -hmm. and not act on it. And so for me also with the fibroids, it was going to be difficult anyways, because of my surgery and the extent of it, it just made sense to, to make that decision to do IVF, but it's a difficult, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult conversation. It's a difficult subject IVF is. Um, and I think that every person and every family just has to make that decision on their own. I also think for the for going back to when you went to the doctors and you were like, something is different. Something is not normal here. Like what I'm used to feeling. A lot of things we discuss is like being your own advocate, advocate because, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you can do that and and and. And it's okay. It, I think yes. we put a lot of, a lot of, and I love doctors and stuff. I do feel like we put, there's a lot of people put a lot of faith in that. Whereas we ourselves know ourselves and know our bodies. Definitely. Well, and that was the case for me because, uh, you know, I found out that I had all this cramping. I found out I had the fibroids, but you know, after having conversations with my grandmother and, and me kind of doing the research on HLRCC and saying, oh, like, is this connected? Do I, did, did I get the gene? And, um, you know, that's something, and also to HLRCC, like it's only 200 families. I think they know that have this. Wow. So it's very rare. Um, and, and I think what you're saying about being your own advocate is so important because you, no one lives in your body, but you. And so, you know, if something you know your body, you know, if you, if something's wrong and, and it's really important to listen to that voice inside of you and at least just have a conversation with your doctor, push them a little bit. Like I'm saying with the ultrasounds, even if you're 18 and, and you know, you, you just want to know, uh, because you can have fibroids and cysts that early, you know? So, uh, I think, I think education starts by conversations like this, and taking a little bit of the stigma away from women who are having difficulty uh, getting pregnant. Um, and I hope to hear more stories like that and, and more stories about how people found out maybe that they had a condition or, or how they went about resolving it. Yeah, and you're a big part of that because you're kind of laying the foundation here to share with people, to, to raise awareness. Because one of my experiences, having known people in the rare disease community is they all start very rare, but a lot of that's because we don't know what we're looking for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. right? Yep. So right. like HLRCC, there's a limited number, as you mentioned, but maybe that number is higher and people are just unaware. Oh and, yeah. And well, and especially too, because this condition is in men as well. Um, but for men, it's much harder to diagnose because men don't have uteruses and that's right. where the fibroids develop. So maybe a little backstory about HLRCC is there's three ways that it can present itself uh, through uterine fibroids, through topical on your skin, leomyomas, which basically look like a red mole. 
essentially. Yeah. They can also be skin colored as well. Um, and then also through the renal cell carcinoma. So through men, they've got to either catch it through one of these little skin things that right. look on, just very inconspicuous, or you wait until you find out that you have cancer and, you know, you just don't know, or, you know, a family member. Um, mm. But for men, it's much harder. And so I hope with this conversation as well, um, you know, men and women just empower themselves to look into their genetics and see what they might be a carrier of, because sometimes it's something that might be hard to recognize. Yeah, I just had a right. aha. Wow. I mean, literally listening to you, thank you, because I just had an aha moment because I have a loved one who had fibroids, who has little red. Mm. Uh, wow. And so as I'm listening to you say this, I'm literally- They can have HRCC. Yeah, so the moment we're, we're done yeah. with this is I have a phone call to make. and. Wow only because of your willingness to share this. Like right. I'm a big believer we are where we're supposed to be. So mm -hmm. I got the message today and I'm going to encourage other people. Like I'm literally in this moment thinking, you know, I'd never heard that before. Right. And so you just gave me this beautiful gift that I'm going to literally call somebody and say, you need to get checked. And that's it. Knowledge is power, right? It's like just, just knowing that you, just knowing what, the steps are, I right. feel like is yeah. so empowering. Just knowing that you can take a test for your genetics, you can get, um, you can't, you could get the, the skin part, uh, tested. There, there are tests that you can do, uh, to be sure and to know and to educate yourself and, and the ones around you. I'm glad that you said that in, in reference to the men, because like you said, those three ways, it could be men right now walking around, just like you said, with the skin uh, you know, the redness of the, whatever yes. the tags are that's on their skin. So that's some serious knowledge right there to, yes. you know, and, for and them my to dad, my dad has the, um, the skin condition. Um, he has a wow. few of the red spots and I had one of the spots as well. I got it tested and it was confirmed to be a leomyoma. Um, and sometimes, so those are the same as the uterine fibroids. So it's a, it's a non, typically it's a non-carcinogenic, um, uh, tumor is essentially what fibroids and leomyomas, leomyomas are, but because they are abnormal groupings of cells, they can also develop into cancer. So it's mm. just, it's all really important to watch. It's all important to, um, to be aware of, um, especially for men, because it's much harder for them to be able to recognize it. And this is the reason that we actually created this show to have people like you on here to ed educate and to create awareness. Because like you said, the statistics were, you know, 200 and you said 200. Did you say 200 or 200,000 for people that no, has a condition? The last I checked, and it, this could be updated, but it was 200 families 200, um, right. that are known oh, to have this. Yeah. Yes. And the the Mayo Clinic has yeah. trials on some of these families and so, uh, with with treating the cancer. Oh um, so it's it's big enough at this point to where you know we do have the Mayo Clinic looking into it. But the more people that might be able to come forward and right. be able to spread awareness, the better. And it starts with communication because the statistics will stay the same. If right. people don't share their story for them to change the statistics 
and more people come forward, you know, like come forward. So that will never change unless people start taking that stand and making a difference. Well, and you can imagine it's it's got to be much higher than that because it's 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 passable by fifty percent. Mm, um, wow. So if two hundred families have it, you know, fifty percent of those children also have it, and that goes all the way down until you know someone chooses to not pass it along or gets and maybe has kids who just didn't get the gene. My brother doesn't have the gene, thankfully. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's. It's just so important to uh, to manage and to watch as a family and to to educate yourself. And what's beautiful too is like by doing genetic testing, you might be the one person in your family for the rest of your family line to to find out this information. Because now, right. like for me, my grandmother has the information, my aunt, my dad, and they're all able to do scans and they're all able to know what to look for. So you could be that one person for your whole family. Uh, you know, to find out this genetic information. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm li- like, I'm overwhelmed. So I'm a little You're like, right. I'm mind blown because, but I'm like, I just want to give you a hug, Anna, because <laughs> literally I'm, I'm going to be encouraging people to get testing. And right. Yep. What I also would say is, you know, I'm a firm believer, like life's short. Um, and so I kind of live to the most every day as much as possible. Absolutely. And and I feel like your family kind of centers around that as well. And I feel like it kind of pervades your music in every aspect. How has this kind of really ramped that up or or made you really value this time? Because you have this beautiful outlook on life. I think when you find out information like that about your health or about uh, your future health, it just forces you a little bit to be in the moment, right? Because time becomes so important and valuable because if you know that maybe in the future you might not feel as good as you do now or you might not get to experience as much as you would like it makes every moment that you wake up so beautiful and and in fact like one of my favorite ways to stay positive is is by wake when I wake up in the morning uh, this sounds like a joke but truly it's not I just think to myself man, I'm so grateful I got to wake up today because so many people didn't get to wake up today. So many people's loved ones didn't get to wake up today. And even if you're at a point in your life where you're looking around and you feel like you don't have anything great to be grateful for, maybe you're in that tough of a spot of your life, be grateful to be alive. You know, be grateful to be experiencing the feelings you're going through because there's someone else out there who didn't get that choice today. How about, um, and, and I'm pretty sure that he's very supportive because of you guys working together, but if you can tell the viewers about how your husband actually supports you going through this. Oh, he's been just the best supportive partner. He, he was right there with me when I was doing all the research and he actually was the one who found my surgeon at the Mayo Clinic. He, he was the one who was, cause I was going to go somewhere here in town uh, in Nashville. And, and my husband, Nico was like, no, we got to find like the best, you know, fibroid doctor there is. And Good so, um, what a lot of people don't realize is you can travel for, for surgeries and it's going to be pretty much the same cost other than your travel fee, but right. you can go to the best if you want. Cause it's pretty much going to be the surgery is what the surgery is, you know? Um, and so he's the one who found my doctor at the Mayo clinic who, um, had done a lot of these surgeries specifically actually also for people with HLRCC. Um, his name was Samir Babiev at the Mayo Clinic. 
Um, and so he found him and, and he's just continued to be such a great positive force in terms of living a healthy lifestyle. He loves helping me cook around the house and, uh, <laughs> eat healthy foods and, and get outside and walk. And he's, he's such a great positive influence on maintaining my health for sure. Well, I can tell because you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> that smile is so big, which is awesome, you know, that you have that support because that's one of the main things that it's like an ingredient, you know what I mean, that you have for certain food items and you just got to have that one ingredient, which is support. And that helps Definitely. you. That actually helps Definitely. you to keep moving forward and stay positive. It's so true. Having someone in your life who supports you, I think is one of the most valuable things that you can have. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about dreaming together and just having that person who, who will, will get into it all with you, you know, and, and it really is so special. I know now the album's coming out. So you have a lot of stuff coming ahead. What are the things that you're most excited for coming? And then for our audience, help share the information. Where's the best place to find kind of you guys as a whole? I, I, like I said, I fell down the rabbit hole of your social media, but <laughs> for everybody, maybe you could give everybody your social media so they can enjoy it for themselves. The thing I'm most excited for in 2024 is me and Nico are launching a nonprofit called the Happy Cowboy Foundation. Oh, And what we're going to be doing is we're raising money uh, for mental health. And we're going to be, we're going to be sending that money to organizations to provide free therapy for people who can't afford it. Uh, Because as we know, I think one of the biggest epidemics right now is mental health. Absolutely. unfortunately, a lot of people are in the position with how expensive it is to be alive right now, where people are having to choose between, am I going to cook for my family tonight? Or am I going to go get the care and help that I need? And so we want to, it's kind of like I was talking about with better days and our purpose. It's like, we're trying to put our, 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 our purpose where our mouth is, if you will, um, and really do the work that it's, it's beautiful to talk about, but truly try to do the work. Um, and so the happy cowboy foundation is that for us. And there's, there's a lot more to come on that. And, and also how it ties into better days, the album, um, it's just something that is going to be, I think the most important and, and beautiful piece of work that we've ever put out. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you if there's any way I can help you, if there's any way I can be part of that initiative. Like don't hesitate to ask because mental health is a big issue for all of us yes. here. It's one of the things that brought us together and kind of started this process. And so I'm a huge advocate, but as you, as you build this thing, if there's ways I can help by all means. I would be happy to help and support both you and Nico. I truly appreciate that. And I know a lot of people out there will appreciate that as well, who are going to receive some help through the Happy Cowboy Foundation. So thank you so much. We're, we're so excited and, and I can't wait to be able to share more. Uh, I know you're asking where people can find me. I'm Anna Moon on most every socials and, and Nico is just Nico Moon. We'll be posting more about the Happy Cowboy Foundation and, and the ways in which better days the song and the album and the tour all ties in because it's all going to be working together. And we're really going to do something that's really never been done before, I think, with music and mental health. And so I'm very, very excited. There's a lot to come in 2024. And so if you're interested, definitely make sure to follow along and, and see what we've got coming. 
We definitely want to know what yep. you have coming. <laughs> yeah. um, one question I do have, are you also considering maybe um, hosting a support group under the foundation where people can physically come out and sit and share stories like patients or caregivers, that type of situation? So our initial goal with the foundation was we we would have loved to have been able to provide the care. However, through insurance, and there's a lot of uh, legalities that comes along with that. So what we found to be the best source of action that we can take while still providing help for people is that we're going to be a source to raise the money. And we're going to be funneling that money to organizations like To Write Love on Her Arm and, uh, and, and different organizations like that who are actually going to be providing the therapy. But we will be sharing information. For instance, a lot of people actually have health, uh, mental health care covered on their insurance, but they might not even know. Um, so we're going to be sharing a lot of that information about how to look for that. Um, if you're a candidate to, to, to apply for that, um, and also sharing resources based off of what you're struggling with, we're going to be sharing that information as well. So we just want to be a sounding board because that's, Nico has such an amazing platform as an artist to do so. Um, and so we want to be a big advocate of education and spreading awareness and raising money for these companies who, who can really provide and have the platform to provide the therapy that people would truly deserve. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of commend you both as a family, because one of the things about fame is, um, it gives you a voice and you can reach people, but so often people take a quiet path or, or a, a less public path. And this is a real commitment. And I don't think people understand people around you, professional people will warn you against it. Some people will encourage you not to do it because there are professional elements of this that sometimes people feel are risks. And the truth is your character is not portrayed and, and you are really putting your values where you believe they belong. And I really want to just make sure we highlight that and that both you and Nico know I, as a public person who's been a public person my whole life, I, I get it and I do the same and, and I, I just admire it and I want you to know that it's appreciated and I know there's a lot of extra steps that go with that. So it's appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and I really encourage people as well, even if you're someone without a platform, even if you're someone who has a social media page with 20 followers, you can still be a positive force uh, in your everyday life. In fact, being a positive force in your everyday life with people who you're actually speaking with and actually communicating with is so powerful. And so I really, that's another thing I've been really trying to encourage people on lately is, is, is post one kind thing a day or, or give someone when you're out and about, give them a compliment, not because they gave you one, but just be the first one to say, Hey, that's a beautiful jacket or you look great today, or just be that person. And, and you don't have to be anybody to do that. Um, and it truly makes you, it's funny because it's something for someone else, but the way it makes you feel is, is so beautiful. And, and I think that's something about happiness in life is, is doing things without, uh, without any kind of expectation of receiving something yourself. I think the more that you can just be selfless and just do things because they're good. And I know that sounds like, okay, sure. You're saying that because no, but truly do something just because it's good and you're going to feel better too, because of it. Um, it's such an easy 
task and it's such an easy thing to do every day. I call it's like one 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 kind act a day keeps bad karma away. It's kind of my motto. Lately. <laughs> no, I'll second oh that. God. I'll second it. Like, maybe, yeah, I, like I, I'm I'm with that. It's one of my. Things I love is, it. Is we talk about all the time in private too. Is we do these small acts of kindness, and the truth is, none of them are small. Right. Every that's act so of true. kindness yeah. makes a big difference yep. to someone, and I and I think mm-hmm. that's something that people underestimate their own power. They do. And and like I said, you could have 20 followers or you could be having a conversation with your mom. Uh, But if you're that positive force uh, to remind whoever you're speaking with to be positive, that better days are ahead, uh, that's really powerful. It really is. And you never know who needs to hear it. And in fact, sometimes when you speak it out loud, you're the one who needs to hear it, too. You're you're hearing your own voice say that. So Mm -hmm. that's also really powerful. That's true. I agree. I, I'm so thankful. Like literally, you may literally have saved somebody in my life's life. Um, and, and so I, I'm gonna tell you how grateful I am. It's a reminder of, you know, for for Jada and Dot, this is a reminder for me personally of like we're in the right place doing the right thing and how proud I am to be doing Lovesick Podcast. But thank you for your wisdom, Anna. Thank you for coming on and sharing all of this with us and, and empowering people. Well, I'm just, I'm just proud of myself. I didn't stutter over the name or anything. (laughs) 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 Uh, But I appreciate you guys having me truly. I mean, being able to share this story and empower people to take charge of their health. I think that's, it's so important. And, and what's beautiful is that you can, you can take charge of your health. You can take charge of, uh, you know, your mindset and, and you can, you can live a life informed, which I think leads to a happier life overall. That's true. And by the way, Mayo Clinic is one of the best clinics in the world. Yes. Yes. They are and definitely one America. of the best clinics and, and in the world. And you know, you can, it's, it's, it's an added travel expense if you're not there. But if you have a condition that is uh, serious or severe, yes. look into it, consider it. See if your insurance covers it, you know, do the, do the work, but right. don't feel like you have to just go to maybe your town's uh, doctor or something like that. Do some research, see who's the best, make some calls. I mean, it's your health. So it's yes. very important that you do the research. Yes. Cause they're one of the best for the condition that I have. Cause I, I know what you not know personally, what you're going through, but I too have an illness that I deal with living with daily. And they are actually one of the specialists for the illness that I battle every single mm-hmm. day. So I know uh, a lot about the Mayo Clinic. What is, if you don't mind me asking, no, what no, is at all. This is why we have this show. <laughs> this is yes. exactly why we have it. I was diagnosed in 1984, which was 39 years ago, with pulmonary sarcoidosis. And oh, wow. that, I don't know if you've heard of it. Most people haven't, and you have some that that have uh, heard of it before. But it's a uh, condition where you have these granulomas that attack your body. They're non-cancerous. And it's like your body fighting your body because, you know, it's like foreign. You're thinking that something, I guess your body feels like there's something foreign and it's attacking it. But um, it can go to any major part of your body, any major organ. 90% of the time, it does affect your lungs, which I have. 
but you know, it can affect skin and it can affect liver and it can affect kidneys. So any mate heart, it can affect any major organ. It just depends on, you know, how you are affected. But my point is, um, I know, and it's funny that you said shingles because I too had shingles while I have this illness. So when you said shingles, I'm like, oh my gosh, I went through shingles maybe like 10 years ago. And I was yeah. like, what the heck is it? And that is not fun. And I'm sure you no, know that. No, it's not fun. Yeah. But but let me let me applaud you as well. Y'all have been so kind applauding me. But what y'all are doing here and sharing y'all's beautiful and empowering stories, it's so, it's so, it's so great. Like truly what y'all are doing is needed and is valuable. And I encourage you guys to just continue on with these conversations because as you've told me, you never know who's going to need to hear these, these conversations um, and how we might be able to save someone's life just by talking. That's true. And this is why we do what we do. And we hope and pray that we can continue to have different stories from people that ready to talk and to share their knowledge and to share their journey with our viewers. And hopefully we can help save the world. I love it. Well, I could talk to y'all all day. I'll have to have you back. I know. <laughs> we know you have a life, so you know. I know. Other than probably talking to us. Probably being a mom's probably calling. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure there's a little one. Is like, wait. We appreciate yes. this amount of time that you gave yeah. us. So we're we're thankful. Thank you so much. Thank y'all so much. Truly, it's been it's been my pleasure. And tell your husband thank you. Thank him for being such a great supporter for you. I will. And you guys, Better Days, the album coming out January 19th. Looking for it. The Happy Cowboy Foundation yes. is, is following with it. There's a lot of beautiful projects in collaboration with the two that we're going to be doing. So please make sure to follow me on Anna Moon. I and will. Nico's page is Nico Moon. And uh, we can't wait to share what, what we have in store. Sounds good. Thank you we'll so much. Yeah, we're going to make sure we do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you so Bye. much. And we hope you have a, a wonderful and blessed day. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>